what we want you to be is the most athletic version of yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah, we need you to put on muscle. We need you to be jacked and we have ways to do it. But at the end of the day, I need you to be able to use that, you know, that muscle, that size, that strength in a functional manner. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio, featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 All-Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Hey, welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. Mr. McQuilkin, what the fuck are you working on? I can just see you over there pecking all nervously. I will. Are we you- got this thing called the hotline. Oh, is it hot? How hot is it? I'm trying to cool it off. Ah, okay. Hey, for those of you guys that aren't familiar with Power Athlete Hotline, it's this little thing that we have on WhatsApp where you can text, you can send pictures, you can ask questions. And since we started pushing it out into the universe, I've been asking for a lot of D pics for Mr. <laughs> McQuilkin. Here's the deal. Someone sent one. <laughs> was yeah. it was it theirs or was it just the Snicker bar with the with, with the dick vein in it? No, they got rid of the dick thing. Oh, I heard it because it's offending people that actually have the veiny snicker bar. Easy. The uh, well, anyway, the picture that was sent was a, it was a clip of photograph by your boy Nickelback. Insta- Look at this photoshopped into the photograph. So, like, imagine this video clip where he's holding up and showing some photo, and then it's the uh, remember that big yeah. Big dude I know exactly on the edge of the bed. You mean the way we got through COVID lockdown with just texting different pictures of our boy? Uh, Nobody actually, knows his name. Actually, I'm I, not going to Google. I him. just associate him with Eddie F. So when I get a text from Eddie F, I know that it's going to involve that guy. Yeah. So I mean, like he's he's really Eddie F's spirit animal. Sounds about right. Yeah. So so that was sent, and I texted back uncalled for. Well, you know, if you guys have any free time, we got this thing called the hotline, 929-464-464. 929-ing-ing-zero. If you want to send any cool pictures to Mr. McQuilkin, he's going to get them. And you know what? I'm going to laugh the about it. The whole company gets them. Yeah, that's probably a real problem. I shouldn't be asking for that because we might get <laughs> yeah. ourselves into trouble. Well, okay, don't send anything weird because we do have some uh, amazing ladies on the backside that help us manage this rigmarole. Yeah. So keep it civil for me. Like today's question. Like today's question. So we're going to go to the hotline. We're going to tap on in and we're going to see if we can answer some more questions from the Power Athlete Nation. Hey, Power Athlete Nation. I need to take a few moments to thank our sponsor, Power Athlete Training Systems, for providing the best training programs on the universe, in the universe, in the metaverse. I mean, really, if this is the matrix, and I'm pretty sure we're stuck in the matrix, Neo and Morpheus are uploading Power Athlete training systems. I'm pretty sure they're doing field strong. What do you think, McQuilkin? Oh, I agree. They are on a specific training program for what they need. And to find out what you need, listeners, head to powerathletehq.com forward slash training and take our little survey to find the perfect training program for you. So we have developed training programs specific for an archetype. You want to get jacked, we got Jack Street. If you're looking to foster and develop athleticism, we got field strong. You're looking to kick the door off of hinges and smash things and cut up and just be a fucking badass. We got hammer. If your first experience in terms of lifting weights and getting used to a barbell using a basic linear progression with bedrock, that's the right one for you. And if you have a few miles underneath your belt, maybe a few kids, Fortune 500 CEO, or maybe life's getting a little in the way, I want you to check out Grindstone. And if your job 
and your desire is to fucking wad your face off, I want you to go check out Johnny Wad. And if you want to stack on a little Johnny bot on that and hit a little bodybuilding accessory, we got that too. So what we've done is we've created this amazing catalog of services, these training programs designed for archetypes, and every one of them fits a specific user. And you know what? If you want to find that user, go on. I want you to take the survey, and then I want you to click on and take our seven-day free trial and see which one is right for you. Best-in-class training. And for less than a dollar a day, you mm. get it delivered straight to the mobile app, Train Heroic. Mm-hmm. And if you want to sign up for our newsletter, you can go to powerathletehq.com forward slash or backslash forward slash forward slash newsletter. I want you to go to that, sign up for the newsletter. We can get more information, not only on training programs, get uh, discounts on shop on the merch and really just know what's going on within Power Athlete with the Academy and some of our other initiatives and the latest episodes of Power Athlete Radio, which is really the most important thing. Power Athlete Radio. The premier podcast of strength conditioning and your resource for the best information on training, nutrition, cars, maybe some movies, banter and banter. I mean, we've been on other fitness podcasts and when it comes to banter, we can fucking out banter anybody. Yes. And if you're a big fan of Power Athlete Radio, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Hit us with a five star review that we will read. If you leave us an amazing five star review. We will read it on air. And believe me, I love reading the reviews, uh, especially the five-star ones, because it lets us know we're doing a good job. And we got some very creative listeners out there. We do. I mean, uh, that's why there are people. Yes. Throw your hat into the ring. Again, head to powerathletehq.com forward slash training for all your training needs. Take a little survey. Find out what you're training for. Seven-day free trial on that program and training for less than $1. Thanks for Power Athlete Radio for sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Bye. All right. Here we go. Hey, John and Tex. Love the podcast and programming. Oh, I love flattery. I work within the Special Operations Unit in the UK mm. and been a longtime Hammer user mm. and have seen some great results. However, my job role has slightly changed for the next six months. And as such, the longer running capacity is no longer required. What is needed is a high level of strength short, sharp speed, and some decent size. Would you recommend following Jack Street with speed kills as a bolt-on in this situation? And are there any considerations you would have when using Jack Street within the warfighter population? Thanks, guys. I look forward to hearing from you soon. James, London. Hmm. This is kind of an interesting question in a few ways. Um, One, I'm never a fan of kind of bastardizing programs. It's the reason we've kind of created archetypes. Because people are always trying to hack into the back end of this stuff. I don't know if I would recommend, not to say you couldn't do jack street with something like speed kills, but I would just transition over into field strong. Like the next cycle that's coming up for field strong, uh, hypertrophy is going to be a fucking banger. So, I mean, the issue with jack street is, yeah, no, it's straight up hypertrophy. We just don't do a lot of movement stuff. I mean, it's not very dynamic in nature. It's just how do I increase cross-sectional size of a muscle and get big and jack and thick as fuck. So with that in mind, uh, and, and even from the guys that we work with at SOCOM, yeah. um, because they have access to all of our programs, I'm really fascinated on the ones that they kind of gravitate towards. Um, even though Hammer was developed for those guys, they tend to gravitate towards something that looks like Field Strong or um, Johnny Wild Johnny Bot or a Jack Street, and they kind of know they, they periodize through it. So my recommendation would to move over to something like Field Strong 
and then tap a little Johnny bot on top of that if you want to hit a little extra accessory work. Yeah, and within the new cycle, you are doing sprinting. Yeah. So speed work is included. And uh, not only speed work, but also some plyos and some jumping. Um, there's going to be a bunch of reactive hamstring stuff, you know, with the flutter kicks and some a bunch of unilateral single leg movements. Um, I think we all also incorporating some of our 30-degree lunging to try yep. to get more dedicated adductor work in. Uh, that's become really focused in my training is really on focusing on developing thicker adductors so I can just like blow out jeans in a single day. Because at the end of the day, when people talk about having thick legs, what they're really talking about is having thick adductors so that your legs rub together and just explode jeans. That's the goal. Jeans exploding. That's what I want for people. Why not just name the cycle jeans? <laughs> I want like a veritable forest fire. I, I want it so, uh, I want your adductors and thighs so thick that when they go together, you can just strike matches. Yeah. Well, then let's, let's speak to that because the objective within this new cycle of field strong and hypertrophy, I know we introed hammer with a question. Mm-hmm. We didn't plan on going here, but we're here. Well, uh, a lot it's- like this podcast, we start down a road <laughs> and then we make a fucking right turn and then jump into the rabbit hole. Uh, I think, um, what he's trying to do and really, really, um, I think we're, man, like, let's say we get into this. Uh, Like, I think there's this mindset within the community that people have this kind of bulking and leaning and there's this kind of weird deal. I think at the end of the day, everybody should be fighting to put on as much muscle as possible and trying to reduce body fat. I mean, when we talk about metabolic flexibility, which we've beaten to death, you know, the only determining factor is the greatest amount of muscle, least amount of body fat. So ideally, your healthiest version is the most amount of muscle you can carry. But unfortunately, muscle is expensive, so you got to be able to maintain it. The other issue is, are you using that muscle in meaningful ways, like uh, movement, sprinting, jumping, actually using that muscle in athletic ways opposed from just using the muscle within the confines of the training? So, you know, you ran into this when we did 22 Jack Street. Yes. Where there was no sprinting, no movement. We were just trying to well, increase. Well, I, I did not. No. I should have. I, I didn't know any better. No. Just rookie mistake. Well, that's kind of when I went to go write the hypertrophy cycle for, for Field Strong, which we've done. You know, we've done um, the metabolic conditioning cycles will work great. And we just came off of a bunch of like uh, PAP post-activation potentiation training, French contrast, training different, different um Muscle contractions. Uh, yeah, uh, different muscle contractions, the eccentrics, concentrics, and using, you know, a little bit of caldeitis, triphasic magic in there. But what I wanted to do was actually start upping the reps, cut the rest times, and hit some really legit hypertrophy stuff to try to see if we can pack on a little bit of muscle here as we're going into the summer for the guys on field strong. But using it, and this is my test, using it with some athletic training where we have some vertical sprinting, we get some change of direction, a bunch of plyos, a bunch of short little sprints. So that as you're putting on that muscle, you're using it in meaningful ways. Uh, I saw this all the time. And this actually happened to me in the NFL when I came in as a rookie. Uh, man, this was so stupid. I remember they they wanted me like I'm just just under six, six, like six, five and three quarters just, or just a little bit under, you know, really relative what, short. What's game. your boot height? Well, if I'm wearing boots, I'm like six, seven. So it's I'm a barefoot. Market. I'm, I'm a barefoot six, five and like three quarters. Uh, like I'm a combine six, five and three quarters, which means that technically they're like smashing you down. So, I mean, really I'm just a short King. No boot height only on this podcast. Okay. We're high school football program height and uh, boot height. That's it. <laughs> well, I don't wear boots that often, but, uh, but when I, I do, but when I do, um, so they, when I came in as a rookie, they wanted me to weigh 330 pounds, <laughs> which was not good, but I was young and I figured like, well, they know better. Right. And so, 
at one point I was like 318, 320, and it was just way too big for me. I think I got up to like 326 and uh, I just felt really slow. And the reason being is I hadn't been doing a ton of movement stuff. Like I, I had just been trying to lift weights and put on as much size and, you know, I was strong as fuck, but um, I just felt very useless. Like I put on all this muscle and all this size, but I was just not able to move in space. And uh, I remember being like, man, I just can't do this and ended up dying down. I think I showed up like 306, 307 back for training camp and they were fucking like trying to find me and they were on me. And I was like, well, just let me go out there and play and let me show you what I can do. And if it's not worked, I'll put the weight back on. And I was out there killing people. So um, and then at that point, I realized if I was going to put on any size or muscle, I had to be doing it within the confines of moving through space, whether that was sprinting, change of direction, plyos, jumping. I mean, all these things that look like moving through space and, you know, part of the definition for athleticism, the ability to seamlessly and effortlessly combine primal movement patterns through space to accomplish a known or novel task. You know, that being our definition, if you're going to put on muscle within the confines of that definition, you have to be doing the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people where they don't really have to move through space or be athletic or, you know, and I'm sure there's a million fucking Instagram pages now that are like, oh, train like an athlete. We've always trained like athletes and we've always put the athletes forward. So being able to sprint, change direction, a ton of unilateral stuff, just being able to do this um, becomes paramount. So with that said, if you were to do something like Jack Street, pairing something on, if you had the amount of training time available, I mean, you know, if your job looks like, hey, I'm a professional athlete or I'm a you know professional warfighter and I have a legit, you know, three or four hours a day to dedicate to this stuff. Because, I mean, Jack Street's going to be a legit 70 plus minutes. It's mm -hmm. just there's no way to get out in, um, in less. Uh, and then when you go do speed kills, now you're going to have to give yourself recovery time because you can't necessarily bolt those on top of each other nope. and expect you to be able to give 100% on both. So you're going to have to separate them into, into probably, you know, a couple hours uh, deviation. Yeah. Sprinting you know. first in the AM. Yeah, it's like you, like you sprint early. You're going to give yourself 90 minutes, an hour to kind of recover, eat get ready. And then you got to go jump in on hammer. So, I mean, or I'm sorry, on Jack street. So it's going to be a fairly high volume of work. Uh, I would recommend, Hey, why don't we do this? Why don't you jump in on something like field strong? And then later in the day, just hit a little Johnny bottom with a little bit of accessory work. Make sure you're eating a ton of calories, eating high protein diet and following all the nutrition recommendations we make. Yeah. What's, what's the amount of trunk work on Jack street? What you would estimate Uh daily daily. Oh yeah. Every, I mean, there's, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, uh, like across all programs that the trunk is preferenced in every single program. I mean, I think the only one where I don't write dedicated trunk training would be in Johnny Wad, just because, uh, you know, based upon what Johnny Wad is, hit him hard, hit him fast. But if they bolt on Johnny Bod, they get trunk work every single day. And so it's kind of built on like you have our full service programs and you get kind of our GoPro model with Johnny Wad and Johnny Bod. But there's just, I mean, yeah, with the, it, like well, speaking to the field strong trunk work, the aim is is different orientations, yeah. and then abduction, adduction at the hip. Mm -hmm. So it's your trunk through different orientations, but as well as your hips. Mm -hmm. So some fun stuff. I mean, I dig it. Apply it to the athletes in their daily practice warm ups. Well, well, you you're already on week one. So how you feeling? Feeling sore? Fucking. Oh, I feel great. Good. I'm back, baby. <laughs> Well, I get sprint tomorrow, but, uh, yeah, no, I feel great. And the, the beauty is, is the primal movements, but different variations that allow you. Mm -hmm. So it's not just lunging to lunge. Now we're, as you mentioned, the 30 degree lunging, 
we're aiming to now separate our hips from our shoulders rather than typical separating our shoulders yeah. from our hips. And to, to reference the 30 degree lunge, we'll, we'll drop a video here in the show notes, but imagine I'm chest facing forwards, but then as I step out with one foot, my yeah. hips will twist and open 30 degrees. I would pull myself up to then square up mm -hmm. with the wall and then step the left out 90 degrees, shoulders square, but hips are rotating, opening 30 degrees and pulling myself through space to the next rep. Yeah. So small variations that do go a long way for challenging you as an athlete. And the beauty is the rep schemes. We're building the musculature. Yep. Um, functional tissue mass. Like today, uh, I hit a variation. So what I kind of do is I'll test certain days. Um, I did all my back accessory stuff and then finished up with heavy RDLs. I was able to, uh, my goal was a four or five for eights and then <laughs> ended up pulling like, I think I, uh, two sets of five and four or five on the RDLs. I mean, actually weren't even RDLs, uh, because at the bottom I was pushing my knees back. So more of a straight legged deadlift. So as I go on the descent, as soon as I get past my knees, you know, the RDL, you kind of bend and give yourself a little bit of go. I actually push my knees back and try to get more stretch in that hamstring. So, I mean, there's some interesting stuff where, you know, if the knees bend at the bottom on the RDL, it takes some of the stress off the hamstring and puts it into the glute. If you can keep the, the legs well, stronger a little bit. Posterior chain distribution, but, not well, a bad thing for our field strong athletes. No, but I mean, if you think about uh, when you start moving two joints, now all of a sudden the stress becomes yeah. a little bit different. Like, you know, people think like the RDL is primarily hamstring it's it's more glute less hamstring well the the you where you feel it so the hamstring by articular joint this is one of my facts that i drop in the old seminar and it's easier to feel in a mono articular joint mm -hmm. so feel the tension this is why it's poor coaching move in my opinion to especially with for female athletes when we teach olympic weightlifting or the deadlift anything posterior chain hey do you feel it here the poor feeling in muscle mind muscle connection with a, a biarticular crossing two joints knee and the hip for the hammy so then a mono articulate the quad at least three of them is an excellent example of that mm -hmm. it's easier to feel the tension in our quads mm -hmm. so how we set up our athletes especially on the deadlift we have a great video on that masters of movement armpit right in line with the barbell versus asking an athlete how they feel mm -hmm. then the female athletes will have straight legs and then it's a straight leg deadlift. If we were to describe it, how do you feel? Well, um, you know, what are you trying to bias? For me, uh, I think we do so much glute work, um, you know, especially with like, uh, you know, like the weighted barbell thrusts and some of like the uh, the bridging work we do. Um, and also a lot of the, the single leg, uh, you know, like RDLs and some of the banded stuff that we ended up filming the other day yeah. for the master's movement. Um, but I know it's pretty interesting when you are in the RDL, if you bend the knee, all of a sudden it shortens or it'd be more like this, right? So you're here and John's using his fingers, fingers, his leg, legs, and them all <laughs> fucking backwards. But I do know is as you bend at the waist, if you go down, you can keep the knees straighter longer. That's going to put more stretch in the hamstring the minute that you bend the knees. Now, all of a sudden, it's keeping the hamstring length constant and driving it into the glute. Yeah, I, I've been messing with Jefferson curls a mm -hmm. lot just through, through some Xanus adjustments on my back. And we've been throwing them in the program. Uh, especially with our iron flex. Um, but that's filming myself, getting those knees straight, mm -hmm. bending. Yeah, I can do amazing flexibility things in my head, but it's not actually flexibility. Well, uh, <laughs> Paul Carter had a pretty good one um, recently sent me where uh, people were doing 
seated good mornings, talking about them being a glute exercise. Now, the problem with that is that once you're seated in that position, the emphasis isn't on the glutes and it's all in the erectors. So a seated good morning would be more erector base and a great way to bias and try to build fucking thick erectors is in that seated good morning. You go with your legs kind of wide and then, you know, safety squat or whatever, dude, you come down and try to bring your chest, you know, obviously the heavier it is, the deeper the, um, you know, I mean, shit, dude, I didn't, didn't Windler say he did like 405 or 500 yeah. and his seated good morning and touched his chest to the pad and came back up. I mean, it's purely erector strength. So a lot of times on the internet, especially social media, you'll see people being like, oh, I'm training the glutes today and then do something that's not involving the glutes or they'll be like, oh, I'm training the hamstrings, but yet not doing something that's training the hamstrings. Well, that's why they're on the internet and not a coach and getting paid. Uh, man, there's so many stupid things. Well, with that, I know that I, I'm envisioning the the action and the movement and actually Xana showed us a cool one that we gave to our, our special forces dudes to really open up since they had that a uh, lot of, I'll, I'll call it male pelvic floor challenges with all the, the rucking and the running and the demand of their uh, job. So it's similar to that, but it's unweighted. And so you start your ass on the, the box and then you shift and it's more of an active foot rather than heels flat. So then your butt comes off the bench and you're sitting into this. You can do it loaded, mm-hmm. but it, it was challenging enough. Uh, I mean, I do it just to, to really help me. Man, standing around all day kills my lower back, just freaking coaching. So how do you start it? So, Well, no, you, you have to be just explain. Yeah. So I'm seated similar mm-hmm. to the good morning. But then as I good morning forward, I don't stop once my chest range of motion stops. Mm-hmm. I just continue to shift forward into my active foot. Mm, my I butt gotcha. is pulled off. And the, the key is, so it's working those adductors, right, lengthening. And then we strengthen by me standing up, mm-hmm. kind of an active foot push into mm-hmm. a, a squat. Uh, I'll try to add weight. I'll throw, I'll film it, put it on the uh, the old Instagrams. But um, yeah, no, that, that has really helped me. I, I mean, dude, one of my favorites is uh for me especially uh i'll sit back on the box on that um you know and we, we have that blue that, that blue pad yes and uh, i'll get my uh like kind of like stance wide and then with the safety squat bar and then i'll kind of lean forward and come back but it's i mean dude that's purely erector and uh you have to be able to maintain that position i mean what happens all too often is people dump forward oh, which yeah. is you know and then all of a sudden once that is then you're driving down your t-spine in some other bad places <sighs> i mean would you argue that's weak upper back uh, if you're doing the safety squat bar, like a Kabuki bar, that uh, transformer bar, you can drive the handles, which allows you to activate the lats and keep the upper back tight. But I think a lot of people don't have the, uh, lows of bread. Is it like the perspicuity oh or is God. that a CrossFit term? I don't know. I don't go to Berkeley. <laughs> so that idea of that, that kind of intrinsic understanding of how to maintain trunk or, uh, uh tension in that upper back. Perspicuity. God, I feel like that's a Glassman term. I'm trying to visual perspicuity. Sound it out. Google just sit. Nah, quit. that shut me down. Okay. No, did you mean? And gave me six nah. different words. All right, so they don't have that wherewithal uh, in that like understanding of it. But uh, I think that all too often, I think people think. That something is being trained because they feel it in there. That's that's that's, that's, that's I think what I'm, you're trying to get yeah. to. So like the idea of like 
it's it's really easy to look at our catalog of programs like oh i'll take jack street and i'll stack all this other stuff where i think for the guy in our special operations community kind of bring it back to him what we want you to be is the most athletic version of yourself Uh yeah we need you to put on muscle we need you to be jacked and we have ways to do it but at the end of the day i need you to be able to use that you know that muscle that size that strength in a functional manner and i hate the word functional because it's just been fucking abused well we'll go back to the super training where they they talked about and spoke to different variations of hypertrophy mm-hmm. training specifically for that. You know, one is more functional tissue sure. mass, and then non-functional. You know, the uh, uh, people have kind of gotten away from that sarcom. Was it the the sarcomplasmic versus the myofibular? I mean, it's kind of interesting. Fibular, but whatever. Yeah, there's problem is is that nothing exists in a vacuum. So it's like, oh, I'm doing five reps. I'm doing three reps. Everything's kind of a cross section and for for how you're wired is going to be dependent upon it. But I definitely know some certain things always exist. If you control the eccentrics, speed up the accentuation phase, and you use compensatory acceleration to move the bar from point A to point B as fast as you can in the concentric, regardless of the rep range or, or or the poundage or what you're trying to do, you will create the type of hypertrophy that you want. So, I mean, that's... Whether Once. you're doing triples, singles, fives, sevens, eights, control the eccentric, explosive, smooth transition on the accentuation phase, and then a violent concentric contraction. I don't care if you're doing tens, twenties, whatever, that will develop the type of hypertrophy you're looking for, which is a very useful form of hypertrophy. And the the patterning. So the coordination within it. Yep. So once your pattern is proper, that's when the hypertrophy really takes off. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, um, if you do develop hypertrophy with shitty technique, it's just uh, more of an accident. If you watch some of the really high-level bodybuilders, their technique is so dialed. I mean, to the point where, you know, there's, uh, you know, you're looking at like Chris Bumpel, for example, using a safety bar squat, putting his feet in exactly the position and going up and down because at the end of the day, he knows that, you know, there's a direct correlation between stability and hypertrophy. When you can create stability in the movement, that's why machines have always been kind of preferenced. Because they can add stability where now you don't have to worry on stabilizing. You can just focus on moving the bar from point A to point B and driving as much tension into the muscle. So uh, just kind of an interesting thing. But at the end of the day, uh, you still need to understand that balance and how to move through space. So what are you training for? Are you looking good to stand up uh, on stage and win the Mr. Olympia? Or are you trying to use the muscle and the strength to be more efficient at the given task? Like kicking indoors and just basically being all around badass. Yeah, and it sounds like that's what this yeah, man the second one training for. So speaking back to observations and things you picked up at your time in the NFL, whether it's working with strength coaches or just seeing dudes come back from the offseason looking like the old airplane test, right? First dude off the plane. But then was there any dude that still put on muscle mass and then was able to coordinate it and turn it into something on the field? You know what? Not too often. Um, A lot of guys showed up ready to go. And if anything, there was a constant fight to stay in shape. So a lot of guys, especially in the offensive line, tended, if they didn't train, like there's kind of two types of guys. There's like the Nick Hardewicks where they're fucking eating, you know, three cheese pizzas at midnight to try to keep 300 pounds. And then there are other dudes like I played with who, you know, if they didn't fucking watch every calorie, we're going to be 400 pounds. Um, But also those dudes had the ability to fucking eat. Like uh, Trey Thomas and some of those dudes, we go out and eat, and I'd be like, holy shit, dude. Like, these dudes can eat. And as you guys might believe or might not believe, I'm an absolute terrible fucking eater in terms of amounts. 
Like these dudes can sit down and just smash like 400 chicken wings. I have like five and I'm like, I'm so full. But, you know, an hour later I get to eat more. Uh, Those dudes were cool to eat massive amounts of calories and only eat once or twice a day for me. I mean, it's always been five or six meals. I just want, I I just don't have a huge capacity. Like we would go out and eat and uh, like we go do those eating challenges with Luke. He would smash the food and then have to eat half of mine because I'd be like, I'm fucking tapped out. I just can't eat. Um, You know, Paul Carter, on the other hand, is like, I can eat 400 pieces of sushi. I'm like, dude, there's no no, before we get our food. I've never seen anybody eat as fast as that dude. To the point where it was almost, uh, it was almost embarrassing because the cook came or the the waiter came over and said, "Did you not get your food?" He's like, "No, I finished," and we hadn't even got ours yet. And I'm like, "Oh, this is weird." Uh, but there, I think for a lot of guys, they they came in, and I, I was telling you, um, for some reason on my Instagram, uh, something popped up with like this like Instagram site that had it was focusing on like high school football camps, mm-hmm. and as I was watching, there they were filming a bunch of offensive linemen. And these kids were like 15, 16, 17 years old, 6'5", 370. I mean, they were absolutely fucking enormous. Just looked like they were carved out of butter. I mean, just heat. It was just so. And and what's hard for me with that is what? I just. Carved out of butter? I've never heard that. It's hilarious. Well, you Usually know, like. Carved out of wood. Well, no. Carved out of fucking stone. Like Michelangelo chiseled them out of stone. Yeah. Like the. Uh, you, you remember when uh, uh, Lou Ferrigno and Pumping Iron, when he's like, Louis, you look like something Michelangelo carved. Remember Louis's dad? Yeah. Uh, or the Fight Club. You know, guy shows up. He's like a wad of cookie dough. After a few weeks, it looks like he's carved out of wood. Yeah. Uh, these dudes look like they were carved out of butter. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's not, not good. It's, it's not no, a compliment. No, it, it's not a compliment. And there, it's a real problem because you have to remember, like, it's like 0.01% of, of high school kids get to go play in the NFL or college. From that, like, less than 1% of the kids that go to college get to go play in the NFL. So it's such a small, small amount of deal. And these kids are 16 or 17 and they're 370 pounds. What happens if they don't get a chance to go play in the NFL? Like, like if, if this is the most active they're ever going to just fall, but if they're, if this is the most active they've ever been in their life at 370, what happens when you remove football and training and lifting and doing all this other stuff? Do they end up being 500 pounds? And next time you're cutting them out of your house, Gilbert, your grape style. So point point zero eight percent of high school seniors point zero eight percent drafted point zero eight percent will be drafted by the NFL, and then I mean it's even less than that because a lot well, of those draftees yeah don't play. Mm-hmm. I mean I think a couple of years ago what it was uh you know I was at that NFL thing geez it had to be seven or eight years ago. Troy Vincent told me less than a thousand guys had ever played in the NFL longer than four years in the history of the NFL. It's got to be more now. I mean let's say twelve hundred, but it's it can't be. The number isn't that high. So the issue comes down to you're having these high school coaches have these kids. You got to eat to be big and big because they're seeing dudes in the NFL. But at the end of the day, I never played a single game over 310 pounds. The majority of my career was paid 306, 307. And, uh, you know, now, I mean, obviously guys are maybe, you know, there's some freaks out there. I mean, uh, I sat behind, what was his name? Aaron. Donald? No, it was... um, he was from Wisconsin. He was the only dude that had ever been drafted that was like 400 pounds. His name was Aaron Gibson. Gibson. Aaron Gibson. Uh, he was, and they kept talking about how he was going to revolutionize the game and he was going to come in. Dude, he, he had a really short career. He just physically, like the speed of the game and the ability to play and move through space and work in, in these confines can, becomes very difficult at that size. 
And I played against dudes. I mean, Big Ted had to be damn near 400 pounds. Well, yeah. do you want to know Aaron Gibson's nickname? The Rock Biter? Big Cheese. Big Cheese. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, but, like, so as I'm looking at these high school kids, I'm like, dude. And, and the worst part about it is I'm watching their technique. And all they're trying to do, they set back and they got some dude running into them. And they're just trying to hip toss and throw them in. And I'm like, dude, you just threw that guy into your quarterback's mm-hmm. legs. Uh, they really suffer from the ability to move in space and especially restart. Like, so as you said, when the guy comes into you, your ability to punch and to continue to move through space after your first meaningful touch is the difference between dudes that never play and guys that go on and play forever. Can you restart your feet or never stop them and continue to punch and move through space? Every one of these dudes, as soon as they punched, all they wanted to do was stop their feet and throw. Now, obviously they're high school kids, but I mean, they're, you know, 6'5", 350, 360 pounds, which to me uh, is one. I mean, the fact that they're that big, that young, man, just it's uh, it's indicative of a bigger problem. But what I worry about is what does it look like in 10, 10 years for those kids if they don't get to play in the NFL? Or even if they do get to the NFL, now all of a sudden they're 400 plus pounds. Not to say we're not going to see a legit 400 pounder go play because Big Ted was damn near 400 pounds. But Big Ted was only going to give you one or two hot plays, and then he had to take four or five off just because the level of conditioning and intensity and speed didn't necessitate him being able to play every down. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, Aaron Donald's 300 pounds or 290? You know, I mean, that dude's fucking on Jack Street and can move very well. So I just think uh, for like there's kind of a sweet spot for a lot of this stuff. Well, that, that's what I want to get into. So our boy James tuning in, what is needed? High-level strength, short, sharp speed, and some decent size. Simple. Field strong. And if you want to stack a little Johnny Bot on tap and hit a little bodybuilding accessory, that would be perfect. You're going to get all the run stuff, all the movement through space. And, uh, you know, especially with the next cycle coming up, hypertrophy, mm-hmm. you're going to put you right where you need to be. And the other issue comes down to continuing to do your training. I assume if you're in the, in the special operations community, you're doing some form of JIT, some form of fight training. So continue, whether it be jump rope, bag work, uh, whether you're into boxing, I don't know, in the UK, um, all the uh, guys that we're working with at, over at uh, Naval Special Warfare, big into JITs. So there, now all of a sudden, you're using your strength in terms of another individual. They're on top of you. You're moving through space. You know, tons of different changes of an orientation, which is extremely important, especially if you're into a job that looks like kicking indoors. If you're used to dudes being on top of you, trying to do you harm, I cannot recommend anything better than that. As it gives you a level of comfort that you might not have ever had. Or discomfort. Or discomfort. Boom. Asked and answered. If you want to learn more, give this training program a seven-day free trial. John, where do they head? Easy. Go to powerathletehq.com backslash or forward slash slash That's why I put it on you. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Nobody knows, but it's slash training. Easy to find. If you just throw into Google, you look up Jack Street Power Athlete, it'll come up. If you Google Field, Field Strong. Strong Power Athlete, if you just put in Power Athlete Training Programs, it'll ever come up. It's easy to find, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you found the podcast, it should be easy to find the training programs. Yes. And if you are a fan of the podcast, mm. smash that subscribe button and give us a five-star review. And if you leave us an epic five-star review, we will read it here on the air. Uh-huh. And if it's even more amazing to the point where – it sets people on fire and melts minds. I know what Harry's going to want to do. He's probably going to want to send you some free merch. Ooh. Yeah, he wants to in the UK because you're basically neighbors, James. You are protecting our pal Harry over there. So we need you to be on Field Strong. Yeah, but he's in London. 
So Harry's up in Manchester. I don't, it's all the same. Yeah, it's just a big island. Yeah. Well, ask and answer. All right. Thank cool. you. Thanks for tuning in. Another episode of Power at the Radio. See you. Bye.